You are listening to the Christian Home and Family Podcast with Carrie Green. Episode number three, Finances and the Christian Family, a conversation with Glenn Steenson. Call our dad with your questions or comments. Seven. One. Nine. Nine. Six. Six. Seven. Seven. Four. Four. Welcome to the Christian Home and Family Podcast with Carrie Green. He's my dad. The Christian Home and Family Podcast brings you biblical teaching, encouragement, Q&A, interviews, and much, much more, all focused on helping you make Christ the center of your home. Thanks for listening. Time to get going with the rest of the show. Here's my dad. Well, welcome once again to the Christian Home and Family Podcast with Carrie Green. I am Kerry Green, and my goal in this podcast is to help you make Christ the center of your home. I want to take a few minutes here at the beginning of the podcast to thank you for your support, all of you who have been downloading the episodes and listening, those of you who have been visiting the website at christianhomeandfamily.com. There's just a lot of resources there, and your input and feedback has been great. I would encourage you just to engage in the community well enough for all that. Let's move ahead to our topic for today. This episode, we're talking about finances and the Christian family. This is a conversation with a new friend of mine, Glenn Steenson. Glenn uh, has developed and operates StewardshipWeekly.com, where he talks about all aspects of Christian stewardship, which is basically, uh, well, I'll let Glenn describe that to you. It's one of the first questions I ask him, what is stewardship? And you can find... All the links that we mentioned, including links to Glenn's site and other resources that we mentioned in our conversation in the show notes for this episode, which you'll be able to find at christianhomeandfamily.com forward slash three. So without delaying any longer, I just want to introduce you to my friend, Glenn Steenson. I am very excited. I realized after listening to the last show, I say excited a lot. But it's true. I am excited about this show uh, because of the topic that we're talking about and because of the guest that we have. Uh, I have met our guest today. His name is Glenn Steenson. I have met Glenn uh, kind of by proxy over the Internet through various avenues. I think mainly through uh, his podcast is where I first came across him. And uh, I'm excited about having a conversation with Glenn. Uh, Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kerry. Thanks. Yeah, I've looked forward to this call for, uh, for a few weeks now. Yeah. Glenn, I didn't, I didn't put this on the list of questions I'm going to ask you, but you're a Canadian, right? I am indeed. I am indeed. Yes. Yeah, I uh, live in so- south, southwestern Ontario, and as we record this, uh, everybody's front lawns are brown. You could drop a match and everything would ignite. We are bone dry up here. Oh my goodness! Yep. Is that unusual for this time of the year? Uh, yeah, we yeah we usually get a decent amount of rain. Uh, our weather is pretty much the same as uh, Upper State New York or Pennsylvania or Michigan because we're you know right along the uh, uh, same geographical lines there. Uh, but this year has just been unbelievably dry, so not much cutting of the grass mm. going on. <laughs> oh, I would imagine not. I would imagine not. It sounds like some of the weather we had here yep. in Colorado earlier in the summer, and this is, for those of you who are listening later, uh, this is fall of 2012 is, is when we're recording this, so uh, it has been a strange year weather-wise. Well, Glenn, uh, give me a bit of your personal background. Did you grow up in a Christian home? How did you come to faith in Christ? 
all of that good stuff. All right. Yeah, I grew up in uh, a small town of uh, 30,000 people. It's called Stratford, uh, Stratford, Ontario, Canada. Uh, If you look at your map that's hanging on the wall there, you see that chunk of Canada that hangs down into the states uh, that has... Uh, I guess we've got Michigan to the west, uh, we've got the state of New York and Pennsylvania to our east, and then Ohio is right across the water to the south of us. We're right in that chunk hanging down into the states, and Stratford, Ontario was smack dab in the middle of that, uh, that chunk of land there that we call southwestern Ontario. So that's where I grew up. I grew up with uh, just my mom, single parent family, and it was myself and a younger brother and a younger sister. And how I got saved uh, ties back through my mom and a faithful believer in the Lord witnessing while he was out doing his job. My mom and and dad and and us kids, we lived out in British Columbia on the west coast of Canada. And uh, there were some issues in the house, needed some plumbing. So mom looks in the phone book and calls a plumber over and the plumber's doing his thing, fixing the problem. And while he's doing his job, he's witnessing to mom. I don't know how the conversation was started, what they talked about, but he picked up on some cues in the conversation and then turned things to the Lord. And my mom got saved uh, as a direct result of the witness of that plumber. I'm sure other people mm. were involved as well, too. The Lord often orchestrates that, you know, three or four people intervene in someone's life. But that plumber, to this day, we have no idea who he is, his name, but someday we will meet him in heaven. Um, but that plumber, through his uh, witness, uh, my mom got saved. Well, mom started to live her life for the Lord, uh, reading her Bible and, and praying and, and going to church, meeting with other believers. And my dad basically said, um, I'm not into this. You pick. It's either me or him. It's either it's either God you know, or, or you're with me, but you can't have both. Right. Yeah, and quite the ultimatum. And so uh, my mom said, uh, this is for real. Like, this isn't going away. This isn't just a passing fad. This is for real. And so uh, mom made the painful decision that that she was going to raise her kids uh, to honor the Lord and to, to love Jesus Christ. And, and she was firm by that. And so she said, well, if you're going to uh, make uh, my life and the kids' lives challenging and traumatic with the way that you're opposing all of this, then then yes, then we're going to be on our own. And so dad chose to leave or kick mom out, however you want to put it. Uh, and so, right. uh, yeah, yeah. And so mom said, okay, fine. And took us three kids and moved to Southwestern Ontario here uh, where she had grown up uh, initially. Uh, and so her mm. parents were here. So we, uh, we grew up in Ontario uh, without a dad. And uh, when I was 11 years old, uh, dad passed away. He was still out on the West Coast. He passed away, and I have no idea if uh, the Lord orchestrated things in his life after the fact that he was saved or whether he's spending an eternity in hell without Christ. I have no idea. So when we were here in southwestern Ontario, mom didn't have a car, um, didn't have very much money at all, very poor family. Somehow, though, uh, she always got us to the church. Uh, every Sunday got us to the Baptist church um, that we were going to. She would ask for rides. People were faithful about saying, hey, Eve, you know, did you want us to pick you up this week? And she would, you know, coordinate everything. So uh, we went every single week. And then as well, the midweek program for the kids was the Awana program. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that? You're familiar with it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up uh, going to the Awana program, and it was through 
a missionary that spoke at the Iwana program that I got saved. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Chambers, he's now with the Lord, uh, came mm. and he told this story about how when he was in the um, village in Africa, a little black cat had wandered into the village, and this black cat had four white paws. And so he told the story about how sin is represented by the black, and that uh, the blood of Jesus Christ uh, can wash our sins away, and that's represented by the purity of the white. And so that's the only part of the story that I remember, but that's the most important part. And so Mm. because of that story of the black cat with the white paws, uh, that night then I went home, got on my knees beside my bed, uh, repented of my sins, and asked Christ into my heart. And so that was through the Iwana program. And uh, and, and then, as, uh, as I said, it ties back to my mom, which ties back to the witness of that plumber, which ties back to Amen. someone who witnessed to him, and it just keeps on going back. And so that's the way it works. Amen. Well, <laughs> thank the Lord for a faithful mother. Yep. That is a, that is a great story. Yeah. Now, now, you're married as well and have children. Tell me about your family. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, my wife, Elaine, and our three kids have just walked through the door. They've come home from a little baseball practice for my boy, uh, Timothy, who is 11. Uh, it's the end of the season, and uh, the tournament is next week, and so they had a practice tonight. So Timothy's age 11. Uh, Lori is 8 years old, uh, my beautiful little girl. And then uh, Kevin is uh, 7 returning seven in just a few weeks. And so, yeah, Elaine, mm. Elaine and I have been married for 13 years now. So, yeah, and a okay. little bit about us. When we first got married yeah. and we moved into this area where we're living now, um, we got to a little Bible chapel, and there was no kids program there. The folks that had been running the kids program had moved away. And so we went, what? There's no kids program? Well, we've got to start one. And so we started the Countdown Club the theme verse for our, the club is First uh, Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then, after repeating that verse <laughs> week after week after week for about eight years, I was reading First Thessalonians, and I looked at verse 18, and I thought, oh, we really should put verse 18 on the end and get the kids reciting that too, because it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Mm. Yeah, and so uh, so now the kids do uh, uh, verse 16, 17, and 18 at the Countdown Club. So we've been an integral part of that uh, well, for 13 years now. Although I, wow. in the past two years, I've backed out of that because I want to put my focus towards the the teens and the and the young adults and and get away from the the little wee kids. So I I have to put in a disclaimer that I have stepped away from that. But my wife and a few other ladies are are carrying that on strong. So so there's yeah there's well, a, little bit, a little bit about me and my family and what we're doing. Well, I sure appreciate your heart for ministry and especially ministry in the local church, being a pastor. Um, now the reason, well, one of the reasons that I wanted to invite you onto the podcast, Glenn, is because of the focus of a website and a, and a more importantly, a podcast that you produce. It's called Stewardship Weekly. It can be found at, is that stewardshipweekly.com? Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. It's all about stewardship in general, but I, I've noticed you focus in on the financial portion of that specifically. I have two questions for you about that. First, first of all, how would you define the term stewardship? As, as you've noticed on my blog, 
whole life stewardship is a big deal to me, but I would like mm-hmm. to hear from you how you define stewardship in general. And then I have a follow-up question to that as well. Before we give the definition, let's go back a few hundred or maybe even a few thousand years uh, to the role from which the term stewardship is taken. You know, usually there was a, a very rich individual, a rich man who was a, like a landowner, a, a king or a ruler. They would have all kinds of servants to cater to his every need, and they'd take care of his stuff. And inevitably, you'd get some that were really good stewards, who really stood out, who really shone at their positions. And then, you know, you'd get some that would kind of lose their focus and, and, you know, they'd start thinking more about themselves than their master. Well, you know, those that had proven themselves, you know, to be really faithful and diligent at their job, they got promoted, obviously. That's what happens today, and that's what happened back then. They would get promoted. And eventually, the, the ruler, or the rich man he'd assemble this small team of his very best people and he would, he'd get them to take charge or take care of everything for him, all his revenue that was coming in, all the possessions that he owned, all that stuff. And in some cases, these individuals who were his stewards even had the full and complete control of things when the ruler was away. And so with that in mind, that, that background to the role if you want to give a definition to stewardship, uh, I would say it's just quite simply proper management of what's been entrusted to our care. I mm. know I know you could do a, a, a Wikipedia definition. It'd probably be longer and, and more elaborate. Uh, you could uh, look up some Bible commentaries probably, get some longer explanations, but let's just keep it simple. You know, just uh, uh, proper management of what's been entrusted to our care. Uh, but care okay. Yeah. But, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could go on, and I know, like, biblical stewardship is different than just stewardship in general, and, and that's what uh, you and I like to focus on. And there's lots of parables in the Bible that talk about, you know, when we're faithful with the little things that God gives us, and we're good stewards of the little things, you know, he rewards our faithful service, and he entrusts us with more. And that's how we get, quote, mm-hmm. quote promoted, right? So the biblical stewardship uh, is, a, is a little bit different and uh, ties in with uh, the Lord's uh, kingdom. And it may or may not relate to finances. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so talk to me about uh, the financial piece of that. I noticed that your podcast focuses a lot on the financial aspect of stewardship. So briefly, just give me a quick overview of, of how finances fit into this idea of stewardship. Yeah. Well, with, with my podcast, I like to focus on, and if you listen to the introduction, I, I say, you know, it's our income and our assets, our time and our talents. So I do talk about good management of our time and good management of, of the talents the Lord's given us, our abilities is, is what I mean when I say talents. But with the income and the assets, you look at look at our income that we've got. We get our paychecks. Uh, we get uh, maybe an inheritance if somebody passes away. We get a bonus at work. How do we handle that? Is, our, is the first thought that goes through our minds, wow, what can I do for myself with this? Or do we look at this and go, Say, okay, uh, you know, God, you've, you've put this into my hands. Let me approach you and ask for guidance and direction on how to manage this. Is that the first thought that comes to our mind? It should be. And with then that's the income side of things. Now, we also have our assets, things that we presently own. Do we take care of what we have? You know, our, our vehicles, our, our property, our tools, our anything that we've got, do we take care of them? Are we willing to loan them to those who might need them, others in the church? Uh, you know, would we be willing to loan out our things, or do they play such an integral part in our lives that we're very reluctant to release them? 
So mm. a lot of a lot of the episodes in the podcast, uh, we'll we'll talk about the income and the asset side of things for sure. I worked for one of the big Canadian banks, and so I've I've got the financial background from the banking and uh, college and university. I've also done a little bit of financial coaching one on one with people. So that's always something I I like to look at right off the bat is is our relationship with uh, money, our income and our assets, and look at uh, ownership. And, and we'll talk about ownership a little bit later here with one of the other questions. So, yeah. Sure, sure. Well, Glenn, what is it about this topic of stewardship that gets you fired up? <laughs> well, I guess what gets me fired up is uh, flipping through the Bible, looking at all the different verses and passages on on this subject. Uh, apparently, now I haven't tallied them up myself, uh, but apparently Crown Financial Ministries has a list of about, I think it's about 2,200 verses that indirectly or even directly talk about money, uh, debt, lending, borrowing, uh, t- taxes, uh, tithes, ownership, wealth. You know, there's there's all kinds of verses that talk about finances and stewardship. And then apparently... And once again, I haven't added it up myself, but you take all the verses that talk about heaven, indirectly or directly, and, and hell, and you add up all those, doesn't even come close to the uh, the number of verses on, on, on money and finances. If you look through scripture, the main focus is obviously Jesus Christ. We see the, for, mm-hmm. the foreshadowing of him coming. Uh, we see his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And so obviously Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation as laid out from eternity past to future is, is first and foremost paramount, and that's the majority of the Bible covers that in one way or the other. The second subject that is most covered is this, stewardship. So <laughs> need, I, <laughs> need I say more? Yeah, there's a lot in there. And I think God knew that this was going to be a huge issue for us today. And I think that's why he's left us this fantastic manual that we have that we can open up anytime we want and read and learn how should we handle our income and our assets. What, you know, how can I be a good steward? So I'm just, yeah, I get fired up because there's all these different passages. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. It's easy to talk about with people because it, sure. there's something that relates to everything, right? Yeah, it sure does. Now, Glenn, what, what difference do you think it makes to a follower of Christ when they truly get this issue from a biblical perspective, and, and let, me, let me phrase it another way, practically speaking, what impact does it have in the way that they live day to day if they understand stewardship the way the Bible talks about stewardship? First and foremost, I was thinking about this this evening. Uh, first and foremost, there'll be a change in their heart. Someone who really grasps it, someone who really gets it, there's going to be a change in their heart. Uh, every sincere conversion that you have starts with a change in your heart. You know, we use salvation, for example. You you come to the point where you realize you're a desperately wicked sinner, you need a savior, you repent and turn to Christ. You have that change of heart. Well, same thing. When you really grasp this concept, you stop and think, okay, I have not been doing things right here in a way that is, is honorable to the Lord, and I've maybe mismanaged his things. I'm going to do things differently. So you've got that change of heart. You've got an asking of forgiveness. Well, I guess the next step then would be, to get practical, there's a change in your budget. Whether your budget is scribble notes on a pad of paper, whether you've got an elaborate spreadsheet, the first thing you're going to do then is turn to that budget because the budget is an indication of your heart. 
the way you've got things laid out in the uh, rows and columns and the way that you orchestrate the movement of your money is an indication of the condition of your heart. And so if you go through and I, when I'm talking to the youth or uh, you know young adults, I always say when you're looking each month and you get your income and you're looking going, okay, I got to pay the uh, electricity, I got to pay the vehicle expenses, get the groceries, uh, I got to pay for the cell phone, and uh, yeah, I've got a little bit left over. I'll give to the Lord. You haven't really grasped the stewardship concept. If you if you've got that change of heart that giving to the Lord is going to move right up to that top line, and that's going to be first and foremost the first fruits uh, from your income. Once you've rearranged things there and you're giving to the Lord first, uh, and you really appreciate what he's given to us, you're going to spend less, you're going to give faithfully. Um, Get out of debt is huge. That is a huge issue facing North Americans as a whole. You want to get out of debt so that you're a slave only to Christ. Like Paul says, I'm a, I'm a bond servant, I'm a, I'm a slave to Christ. You don't want to be a slave to the bank. And so then mm. as well, you want to heed the wisdom in Proverbs. Uh, Solomon says, hey, look at the ant. Look at the little ant crawling around on the ground. What are they doing? They're gathering the food in the harvest, putting it away for later when they'll need it. So same thing. You put money away. There's nothing wrong with doing some savings. You put away so that you've got it for a time uh, in the future. Then as well, give generously more so in the future. This, this whole thing I've with generosity being interwoven into uh, stewardship. There's a great book, which I've been reading, if I can put a plug in and promote a book. (laughs) Um, Sure, feel free. There's one called The Secret of Generosity. And The Secret of Generosity is written by a great fellow by the name of Rob Kubin. Uh, Mm. I I was reading his blog, and I I really appreciated all the thoughts he had in his blog. And so I interviewed him for my podcast. Great fella. He sent me a copy of his book, and I read it, and I thought, wow, this is really good. So just that the, the whole uh, your, a change of heart and, and the budget all goes together with it. <laughs> so when somebody mm-hmm. really, really gets it, yeah, that's what you see. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great. I, I can't agree with you anymore. I mean, that's uh, the change of heart is where all true change and conviction comes from. Now, let me, let me turn a little corner here. As you know, my podcast is aimed at helping people uh, make Christ the center of their home. And part of that is the stewardship of their entire life, including uh, their relationships with their, their spouse and their children and, and their home life and all of those things. Uh, so let's make this question practical in those terms. How, how does a proper understanding of financial stewardship impact the home and the family? A proper understanding of it? I'm going to say everyone's on the same page. And that is a lofty statement because (laughs) when you get a whole bunch of individuals living in a home, husband, wife, kids, we all have different personalities, we all have different temperaments, uh, we all have different feelings. So how often is everybody on the same page with anything? That can be challenging Mm. at at the best of times. And same with with this concept. But I I think if there's this proper understanding, everyone's going to be on the same page. The kids need to see mom and dad living it out. And so mm-hmm. kids, they eavesdrop on conversations. If they see a lot of stress when the bills show up or they hear, you know, conversations that focus around getting the latest and greatest electronic device, and that seems to be the most important thing right now, got to have it, then they see that materialism. They see the uh, the slavery uh, to the financial systems. 
and a proper understanding of it would see that everyone's in unison together. Husband and wife are teaching the children what the Bible says about it, uh, giving them direction as to what they do with their allowance or commission, you know, that you don't just spend it all on yourselves, but that you you save some, you give some. uh, Just, yeah, everyone on the same page. Which obviously requires that the parents are communicating with the kids about these financial truths that the Bible has. A couple of months ago, I spoke at a college and careers group, and I took Timothy with me. And so one of the questions that I asked the group fairly close to the beginning of the presentation was, they said, okay, now how many of you in the past year have heard a message on stewardship or finances in general? And usually you'll get, you know, maybe a quarter of the kids will put their hands up and the rest won't, right? And uh, Timothy shoots his hand straight up there, and everyone starts chuckling and <laughs> laughing because he's waving his hand, kind of rolling his eyes like, yeah, I've heard messages on stewardship. <laughs> so yeah, I can imagine. Yes. I can imagine. Well, the opposite side of that same question, how, how does a wrong view of this issue impact the Christian home and family? I, I think if, if things are inverted and there isn't that proper understanding or isn't the teaching of it, um, material possessions are going to be the focus. Uh, the acquisition of those possessions. Uh, career is going to be first and foremost. Uh, I love listening to the uh, Family Life Today podcast, and numerous mm-hmm. times, numerous times on that show, I've heard guests, um, the, the hosts will say, hey, you know, mom or dad, you know, has had a significant impact in your life. Would you, would you like to say something to them now? And then the guest will take a moment or two to speak uh, on the podcast, but as though he were speaking directly to his parent. And more often than not, you hear them um, thanking the parent for the time and energy that they put into their lives, as opposed to always being at work, taking the overtime, uh, you know. And so when things are messed up with this concept of our income and our assets, our, our stewardship, career is paramount. And mm. and, and so... Uh, time and time again, it's refreshing to hear when believers get it, and I, and I I struggle with it. Like I've got, I'm a partner in a business, and after dinner I come down to my office. I got to make some calls. I got to work on my schedule and line things up for the next day or two, and look forward, you know, a couple of weeks in advance with the jobs we've got on the go. And and it, it's tricky sometimes, but uh, that stewardship, even with your your time and you know, family especially, it uh, you don't want to mess that up. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, we're, we're talking primarily to Christian families, so uh, give me an idea from what the Bible teaches. How should a Christian look different than the rest of the world when it comes to this issue of financial stewardship? From the outside, I guess, when you, when you stroll into somebody's house, you know, we don't look that different, I guess. We all have houses. The Lord's been good to us to give us accommodations. Uh, we have vehicles sitting in the driveway. Most of us do. Uh, we have good clothing. We we have a refrigerator with lots of food in it. So when you look at it, you think, okay, yeah, uh, this Christian family kind of looks like you know everybody else in North America. But I guess it's when conversations are had, and when you get right to the heart of the matter and you see what the priorities are. Uh, when someone gets excited to get a letter from a missionary that they've supported. And the kids, let's tie it back to the kids again. When the kids and mom and dad can read an email that's come from a missionary that you've supported, 
then uh, then you see yeah, there's a 180-degree difference with a Christian family than there is the world, because the world mm. would, would see giving money away to somebody, you know, halfway around the globe as foolishness, you know, when you, mm. when you can you know, use it for yourselves. Um, sure. Uh, so there's just, just little things like that. So sure. wa- walking and looking, you might not see it, but it's the conversations and the experiences that will show that, yes, we are different. Yeah, and I, I hear in your in your response there, there's a, a sense of greater purpose uh, in the Christian's heart and mind where the giving away of that money, for example, is not, it's not a, a crazy thing because they're seeing the eternal benefit of it. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yes. That's what I was yeah, getting at, yeah. That is beautiful, that is beautiful. Now, t- talk to me real quickly about what the Bible says about the issue of debt and the impact that debt has on the average Christian family. I mean, let, let me just make up a hypothetical here. Say, say there's a family that has, uh, you know, $25,000 worth of debt and they, they go paycheck to paycheck. They're, they're working hard. First of all, what does the Bible say about that? And then secondly, uh, what's the impact that it has on them, both short-term and long-term? I'm going to use the classic verse. When it, I guess when it comes to salvation, John 3.16, I'm going to say when it comes to these subjects, Proverbs 22.7. And if you know any of your listeners have listened to any Christian financial podcasts, this one comes up over and over and over again, and it's the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Um, that is the key verse when it comes to this subject, just like John 3.16 is for salvation. With debt, debt's like a cancer, right? It starts out really, really small. And then if it's left unchecked and uncontrolled, it, you know, it grows out of control until it destroys your life. That $25,000 that you mentioned, well, it started out as $25, you know, and then it, a little bit more borrowed was a few hundred here, a few hundred there. And when I talk to the young adults, I do a, a presentation on credit cards and it's okay. You need to buy a computer for college or university. You're going into first year. Do you have $1,000 saved up for a really good computer? Well, most of them don't. How are you going to pay for it? Student loans or credit card? Okay, fine. You play it out over three or four years and look at the interest. Well, then you graduate from school. You get some furniture. You get a new vehicle. And it and now it's crept up to 25000 or 50000 or even higher. And it just it starts out small and it just consumes your life. It destroys your life. As a, as a pastor, Carrie, obviously you've done some counseling one-on-one with couples who are having difficulties in their marriage, and uh, more than half the time, I'm sure it ties back to finances. You know, there's all the worry and the grief that comes with it, and getting back to generosity, it restricts your giving. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess the North American average, there's a Christian, a Christian outfit down in the States somewhere that does these surveys, and I don't know how they gather their information, whether it's from income tax returns or just a questionnaire at churches, and I'm not quite sure how they uh, tally all their, their data, but apparently 2.5% is the average uh, giving in North America. Mm. And apparently, uh, with your income that you get in, just over 10% of your income goes to paying interest on outstanding debt. Well, tell me that's not messed up. Like when you when debt is, is sucking back 10% of, of your income, and... I don't want to get into a big discussion on the tithe of 10%. You know, are we still under the tithe or not? Is it free will giving? You know, that's a whole other subject. But it, it just seems kind of ironic that right now 10% is the number that's popping up, but it's not going to giving. It's going to paying interest on the debt. Your guest, um, 
uh, Carl Walker that you had on from episode two, he talked at length about these family excursions that he does where the whole, yes. where the whole family gets involved. I think that's fantastic where he does, you know, the combination mission strip, the vacation, the excursions and everything. It's kind of hard to do that if you've got massive debt. There was probably a lot of listeners to your episode number two that thought, oh man, I'd love to do that. That'd be great. Great for us. Great for the kids. But then they're getting all the line of credit statements and, and looking at the mortgage and and the car payments going, Whew, well, we won't be doing that anytime soon. And that's yeah. that's discouraging and frustrating. And yeah, debt is crippling. Oh yeah, yeah. it sure is. Okay, well, why don't you give me your top five things that a person should practically do if they want to start putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to their financial stewardship. If, if they're wanting to match their actions with what the Bible teaches about stewardship of money. <laughs> okay, put their money where their mouth is. Okay. Yeah, I fixed that on purpose. <laughs> All right. Um, well, how about instead of five, how about four? Which are, okay. And they're going to be a combination of practical and theological. First and foremost, give first to the Lord's work. And I believe that you should give first and foremost to your local church. Uh, where you where you fellowship and, and where you're edified and, and built up. And then uh, do your giving to others. I, I think that's uh, the first thing, is, is giving first to the Lord's work instead of giving him the, the leftovers. Uh, number two, exercising self-control when it comes to purchases. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And there's the, you know, when you see something you want to buy... You know, give it that cooling off period, the the 24 to 48 hours, and then see if you still want it. Number three, how about heeding the 10th commandment? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So that 10th commandment. And I'm guessing, Carrie, that... Probably none of your listeners are looking over at their neighbor's property and going, oh man, he's got a really nice donkey. (laughs) He's probably not coveting the donkey. But that that whole concept of wanting what your neighbor has uh, is running rampant in our society, just completely out of control. Uh, We see the latest trends and fads and and we all want it. So how's that for practical advice, putting uh, your money where your mouth is when it comes to wanting to adhere to stewardship guidelines is is heeding that 10th commandment. And yeah. how about for the fourth one here, uh, that passage in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God. You want to get serious about being a good steward? How about reading over Matthew chapter 6 over and over and over again uh, mm. a, a few times each week? You know, it's not just those one or two verses. Like, the whole chapter is just dripping with stuff that relates to stewardship. So yeah. it, it, so four points there that are a combination of practical and theological. Now, this next question I want to ask you, um, I don't know, maybe a little bit risky, but I'm going to go for it. What the heck? Okay. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the popular financial gurus out there, especially in the Christian realm right now, is Dave Ramsey. And, and please understand, I appreciate Dave Ramsey, and I appreciate the ministry that he has uh, developed there. Um, but he often says, he has this favorite saying he says a lot. He says, live like nobody else so that you can live like nobody else. Now, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but his implication seems to be 
that if we sacrifice financially now in order to get out of debt and save money, which are good things, then we can live a more comfortable, financially independent life later. And to give him the benefit of the doubt, I'm sure he also intends to communicate that if we sacrifice now on a financial level, we'll be able to be in a better position to help others financially in the future. But even though I understand that's probably in his heart, I've never really liked that statement. I want to ask you, what is your take on what he's saying? Um, well, I, I like what he's saying because, it, you know, that, that statement of his, uh, live like no one else, so that later you can live like no one else. You know, it's simple. It's easy to remember. Um, you know, it's, it's encouraging, too, because you listen to his show and people are calling in and screaming they're debt-free and giving these stories uh, yes. about how their lives have changed. And he's got an excellent ministry there, you know, catchy saying, very encouraging uh, ministry. Maybe Carrie, why don't we why don't why don't we suggest that there's a few more lines that people could memorize to tag on to Dave Ramsey saying? How about mm. how about let's try this on for size. Pray like no one else, so that later on you can pray like no one else. Mm. How about developing that prayer life with the Lord, getting more intimate with the Lord in 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 prayer? How about read like no one else, so that later on you can read like no one else? You get someone who's a, a fairly new uh, Bible reader, they'll glean little nuggets here and there, but then you do that for many, many years, and later on, you can read like no one else, because then you're digging the deep, deep truths out of Scripture. How about meditate like no one else, so that later on, you can meditate like no one else? So I'm thinking if if we kind of tack on these other things here, pray and read and meditate onto this live like no one else— and tie it all in financially with with Dave Ramsey's uh, expression, then someday down the road when you're living like no one else because you've got no debt and you've got lots of money in investments and and you're you're well off financially, then you've still got your priorities in alignment with Scripture, and you'll be able to hear uh, that still small voice of God speaking to your heart. That's great. That is great. I appreciate the way that you answered that. So let me ask you let me ask you one final question. Yep. If you if you could miraculously get every Christian mom and dad to understand one thing about this realm of financial stewardship, what would it be? Well, this is something that I always speak on whenever I'm invited to speak uh, at a church somewhere, uh, which um, the Lord's been good. I've been able to do it a little bit more lately. Or if I'm able to speak at a, a college and careers group, this is the first thing that I always touch on, and and that's that whole idea around the 10%. I'm not going to harp on the, that, the, the tithe per se, but it's the equation I want to get at. It's not that, let's, let's say we do the 10%. It's not that we are giving to God the 10%. You know, because sometimes we kind of pat ourselves on the back and go, hey, wow, I, I did my 10%, you know, and that, you know, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Well, no, mm. no, 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 no. It's not us giving to God 10%. Picture it this way. God is giving to us 100%, and then he says, well, now listen, with this 100% that I've given to you, I own everything, and I'm I'm entrusting it to you, and, and you get to use it for your benefit and to support your family and to enjoy with this 100% I've given you, to you, I, I'd like you to disperse you know, 10% of it to my work. And here I'm going to, through the Holy Spirit and through through uh, teaching and ministry and promptings, I'm going to direct how you should disperse that 10%. But think of it as the Lord giving us the 90% to keep as opposed to us giving the Lord 10%. 
Just if I mm. could, like you say, if I could magically get every Christian to understand one thing, it would be that concept. It's not us giving him 10, it's him giving us 90. Yeah, yeah. That is great. Yeah, that is absolutely great. I think that's foundational, Kerry. Like, I, I think that's the, the basics right there, is that ownership. Yeah. And recognizing the ownership. Yeah, that's great. I think that just goes for life in general, doesn't it? And that's, that's really what your podcast is about. As you said, the time and talents are, are involved as well. So, um, Glenn, this has been a great conversation. Please, um, please tell us how can my listeners find out more about you and about your podcast. Uh, well, yeah, like you said, uh, on the on the web, it's uh, stewardshipweekly.com. Uh, uh, they could search that way. I, and actually, Carrie, it looks like we're hanging out together in a lot of the uh, popular podcast directories. Uh, your show and mine uh, were both in iTunes. Uh, Stitcher Radio, mm-hmm. and a bunch of those other uh, smaller directories that are out there. So, uh, yeah, Stewardship Weekly. If I can just say one other thing, uh, if your listeners wanted to hear some of the passion that I've got around this subject, the message that I gave to some young adults about two months ago, it was in somebody's home. It was a Saturday evening in somebody's home, uh, a fairly large home, and I, I took account of the number of people that were there when, before I started, and there was 42 kids there. And mm. I recorded that message. And then what I did was I took the audio and uh, mixed it in with my visual presentation. And for anyone who would like to hear that, it's, it's a 45-minute video on one of the most common traps that people fall into uh, when it comes to credit card purchases. And so that's on the, on the website. They can sign up to uh, view that video. So, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, something I've put together. So hopefully people uh, enjoy it. Well, thank you for giving us that uh, resource. That's great. Well, Glenn, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, taking the time to be here on the Christian Home and Family Podcast. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been fantastic getting to know you. It just I've listened to your inaugural episode and, and the second one there and read some of your articles on your site. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and uh, I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do through your ministry there too online. Great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thanks for listening to the Christian Home and Family Podcast with Carrie Green. I hope you were blessed by what you heard. You can find the episode notes at christianhomeandfamily.com under the podcast tab. It would be great if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to my dad's blog at christianhomeandfamily.com and receive every post in your favorite reader or by email. Your comments, questions, suggestions, and encouragement are always welcome. And you can send those by email to info at christianhomeandfamily.com or go to christianhomeandfamily.com forward slash contact for a list of contact options. Feel free to pass this episode along to anyone you'd like. We just ask that you don't modify it or charge for it when you do. This podcast is copyrighted 2012 by Carrie Green. Thanks again. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 